Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sporting Limerick Soccer Podcast. Uh, delighted to be joined again by Jason and Noel O'Connor. And to start with yourself, Noel, uh, the first uh, Portugal for us this evening will obviously be the Munster Derby victory for 3D United senior men's side against Cork City at Turner's Cross last week. It's fair to say, Noel, on the balance of play in the first 50 to 55 minutes of that game, you could only see one result. It's amazing, really, that, that 3D came out with, with a 3-2 win because you would have thought a draw would have been hard to come by judging on the balance of play in the early stages. Yeah, well, from a 3D point of view, it's unbelievable, three points. Um, you know, from a Cork point of view, I think it's a bit of a disaster of a night. I mean, I felt at halftime, thought they were excellent. They were a different side to the side that we saw at the Marcus Field, their ball speed, you know, so many players dominating around the pitch. Dylan McGlade was terrorising Treaty down the Cork left-hand side. The two midfielders, uh, Morrissey, um, were dominating in the middle. Stephen Beatty was very, very strong. And I thought that O'Brien Whitmarch was... Um, looking dangerous as well and the bit of pace from Collins so it, it looked like there was only going to be one winner um, at that stage they created a lot of chances just were a bit sloppy that last you know hitting the target a couple of shots over the bar some good chances from set plays and um, then the the penalty for Treaty you know it was, certainly was against the run of play and certainly was a penalty but you know you'd be tearing your hair out if you were involved with Cork you know a real a kind of a childish handball. There was two of them, actually. Two of them were definitely penalties, but, you know, you're just looking at your defenders. And I suppose the real difference between the two teams, and we've said it before, is how how much the two treaty centre-halves enjoy defending. Yet the two Cork City centre-halves, they seem to be more interested in passing the ball to the full-back or passing the ball into a midfielder and, you know, just making these real school wires then in terms of not closing down the ball, not closing down players. And Treaty, you know, they they took every little half chance they got in the game. And uh, as you said, it looked like it would have been a bad bad night for Cork had they got a draw and they ended up with nothing, but certainly a brilliant three points for um, for Treaty United. Yeah, certainly the case, Jason. And once again, we saw the character that when Treaty had a sniff of anything, of getting a point that, you know, they, they fought for every ball, even, you know, not playing well. And in the second half in particular, uh, one of the things we mentioned, we thought that Tommy Barrett might tweak the formation or whether we thought he would or not, we, he did tweak the formation and went for uh, two up front, uh, 4-2-2 or a 4-1-1, uh, as, as you might uh, interpret it as well. Jason, how do you think that, that formation fared out, firstly, I suppose, and, and secondly, happy to, to just see the change anyway to, to something more, more attacking? Yeah, look, it was hard to figure out the formation, really, Adrian, to be honest with you. You look at Cork, and <clears throat> excuse me, look at Cork, and that was very much a 4-4-2, with, um, obviously, Whitmarsh and, and Keane Murphy up top. You had two strikers in the treaty team. That was as close as it is to 4-4-2. McKevitt looked a little bit confused at times. In the first half especially, He was. it looked like he was meant to be dropping in but if you're talking about dropping in, then you're talking about a 4-4-2. For me, if you play a 4-4-2 and you want to defend with it, you you ask the two strikers to shield them balls going into the centre of the park and force the opposition to go wide and let them go down the sides and then push the ball and push the opponents further and further towards the touchline. That didn't happen. Alec Byrne was dominating the play in the middle of the park in the first half. He got far too much ball for me. 
Um, there didn't seem to be much cohesion between Reds and McEvis defensively. And at times when the ball went forward, one of them then was kind of isolated. So bit of work to do on that for me, bit of bit better organisation, you know, and I don't want to be too negative because I'll agree with Noel, it was a fantastic result, but, you know, the, the formation didn't work for me. I had reservations last week about 4-4-2 that they'd be open and I think they were very open, Adrian. You know, you look at chances created and Noel said it there. You know, there was four clear chances for me Inside the box, excellent chances for Cork City. Keen Coleman had one on 30 minutes, 49 minutes. Alec Byrne is a sitter, as far as I'm concerned. Dylan McGlade went very, very close as well, 67 minutes. And then in injury time, Alec Byrne again, another good chance, you know. So you can't really say... the fault I feel grave, Jason, about the, the penalty, I suppose. Yeah. It looked like a stonewall from where I was that that cues at because it just happened previously and I didn't think it was a penalty about a minute and a half, two minutes previously. And then O'Brien Whitmarsh went in again with Shane Cusack and it did. He did look a bit more guilty on the second occasion from my angle anyway. 100% I'd be the same as you, Adrian, you know, but and that backs up the point Noel made last week about people whinging and mourning about penalty kicks and not being given, you know, there was no mourning this week. I know you were the only one there to, to do the interview, so that was probably... The reason behind that, but they even themselves out over the season, you know. But as I said, based on chances created, the formation didn't work. They got the rubber the green, and I suppose if anyone deserves the rubber the green, it is Treaty for their work rate, for their character that's that's been mentioned, you know. So we don't want to be taking anything away from it, but analysing at the same time that four four two isn't the way to go for me. Uh, so certainly, certainly so, and. Noel, we had one of uh, a person uh, who'd be fairly close to, to your own heart to, on the podcast, the special edition of the podcast last week on uh, Sport Limerick in, in George O'Callaghan. Uh, it's fair to say the interview I did with George made you two guys here look like saints uh, with his uh, forthright um, opinions uh, on, on certain issues, including Cork City. Uh, Noel, he was, he was very downbeat about the way it went, even with Joe Gamble and Neil Fenn there. Uh, also, you know, very, very, very critical of the, of the team now, saying there's no fight, there's no hunger in Cork. To be fair to them, that didn't seem to be the case in the first, uh, as we said, the first hour at least, and through the whole game, to be fair to them, uh, the other night. But Colin Healy must be tearing whatever little hair he has left out to see how am I going to change this. Now, they are being linked very strongly with a move for Mikey Drennan, I believe, as well, uh, to, to come back into the fray. I do certainly think they do need a, an out-and-out goal scorer, all right. Yeah, yet look, I mean, if they had a shooting boots on on Friday night, they might have got five goals. Um, I just lost a bit uh, on your about George being, you know, about George being critical, but his uh, his podcast certainly went down a storm anyway. Judging by the the amount of people who were talking to me about it um, in the last couple of days, I, I kind of missed uh, his energy around the place actually. But um, yeah, I mean, look, we we have touched on it here. It must be very hard for the likes of those guys to take, um, you know, to see Cork in the in the position that they were in. I mean, even even through the bad days of of not having money and the whole crash coming like before, you know, you know, eight, you know, nine, even though they were struggling, like they were still um, a strong Premier team who would get who get results, you know. But um, you know, in in it's it's just probably going to be a difficult week for Cork in terms of I'm sure Colin Hayes said well. 
what we need to do, like to get a winner, you know, to to get results that our performance deserved, which was last week. But I think they just need again. It's always back to the simple things, back to basics. I don't think, and I'd agree with George from the view the the defenders don't seem to have that real killer instinct in terms of defending about you know not giving the opposition an inch and a chance. They were very open. They were very slow to close down the ball. You know, they're kind of looking at each other to see who's going to do it. And unless that changes, well, they are going to, you know, concede sloppy goals. I said that. I saw the goal that they conceded against that loan. And that's a long time ago now. You know, just no one really reacting to a simple ball across the pitch. And, you know, just look, looking like they're asleep on the job. You know, and they've, you know, they've given away two penalties and another soft goal at home. And if they keep on doing that, they're certainly not going to climb the table. But if they can cut those errors out, you know, and it's it's looking on the attack side, they seem to be fairly okay now. But he's got to just, you know, talk to his defence and, you know, and just get a better reaction out of them in terms of, of being better defenders and being a bit more mean. Because Treaty and Fairness have... You know, their their whole season has been about that real fight, you know, in terms of not conceding, crowding areas, everyone getting behind the ball, throwing their bodies on the line, you know, some good saves from the keeper, and then, you know, getting half a chance or a, a chance in getting a goal and then fighting tooth and nail to hold on to that win. And it's probably something that Cork can certainly learn, learn from Treaty. Yeah, definitely. And just there was a, a few individual, uh, say, Performances there the other night as well, which would be pretty pleasing. Obviously, for for Kieran Hanley, you know, after he missed the penalty against Cove, he's got two penalties. He's now the top, outright top scorer for for the team now uh, with four goals. Always always good for a striker, especially considering he had struggled uh, in in previous weeks for form. That's just one. I I also felt even though it did seem like the midfield were overrun at times in the first 55-60 that Callum McNamara put in a, a very mature uh, shift uh, for the team. And it's just something that we picked up on a couple of weeks ago, Jason. Off camera actually we were speaking about the fact that you know, now you have Jack Lynch who hopefully will be back. Uh, he picked up a, a light concussion I think the night before uh, the game. I only found out when I got there myself. Um, on, on the eve of the game, he'll be back, you would assume. You had Mark Walsh, who came off the bench later on as well, just to make an appearance. Uh, Callum McNamara is there. Uh, Clyde O'Connell is there. We also will have Sean McSweeney come back into fray. So all of a sudden, an area where we were very worried about maybe at the start of the season, before the season kicked off, is start, there's competition there now, Jason, for places inside there. Well, definitely, Adrian. Callum McNamara has been a revelation. You know, I said previously that... He came with a very, very good reputation from my colleague Dennis Hines, who knows every player in Clare from, from a very young age up until, I suppose, they stopped playing, you know, and, and he recommended Callum very, very highly, and he's been proved right. I think he's been excellent, and I've said that now for a number of weeks. You know, Mark Walsh, before his injury, and that'll be interesting to discuss, obviously, that injury came against Shelburne, and... And now he's he could possibly be back in in with a show to play against Shelburne this week, so that could be interesting. But before his injury, he was the standout midfielder for me from a defensive point of view. You'd expect Jack Lynch, obviously as captain, to play, um, and Sean McSweeney will always play, in my opinion, as the third midfielder or that second striker, whatever way you want to look at it. When he is fit and available, then obviously you have Clyde and. And listen, important now to know if I was quick enough to, to point out about his bookings. So no booking for, for Clyde against Cork. Um, and you could see by his demeanour and you could see from a couple of challenges he kind of held himself back. 
So it's now finding that balance with, I suppose, staying within the rules of the game and not letting it affect your performance because it wasn't one of his better games. You're quite right. They said Callum was excellent in there. Um, and they suffered without that third midfielder. And they suffered a little bit without the protection that, that the front two should give in a 4-4-2. As I said, they should be shielding centrally to stop balls going in there. But and great to see, I suppose, Sean Gearns at the back again, as no one said. But but back to your original point, there's, there's fierce competition now for places in the middle of the field. And I know some people were talking or whispering about Shane Duggan coming back, but... I wouldn't see any benefit in that looking at the profile of, of the team and the performances they've put in. Would there be any room or point in bringing in another midfielder? I don't think so. The competition is fierce in there. And suddenly players are growing into, into this league, Adrian, which is great to see. Yeah, certainly. As I said, it was a position maybe we, we flanked as being worried about and obviously not as, as worried at all uh, about it now, considering the performance of those individual players that we mentioned. Uh, Noel, it's about time now we moved on to the big game with Shelburne, the unbeaten Shelburne. Uh, Friday night, Markets Field, uh, first against third. Obviously, Shelburne way out in front. But that win was absolutely crucial on a number of levels for Treaty but because it, you know you had lost to Galway. If they had lost to Cork, you're going into a game against Shelburne then with you know a slight bit of pressure saying oh well we don't want to be going in and having three defeats on the bounce then but now after getting that win it really is a, a, a totally free shot for, for Tommy Barrett and, and his team so it promises to be a, a really entertaining evening uh, with Shelburne coming Yeah I'll be interested to see how they approach it and you're right it is a free shot and um, Tommy pointed out actually that, that the last team to take um, points from Shelburne is actually Treaty and now we've got a full round of games so it's back to that and Treaty are at home. Um, in fairness to Shelburne, they've, they've certainly got the winning habit. Um, the couple of games that have been very tight, obviously the one last week, you know, they were, they were supposed to be very poor in that game and snuck out with a 1-0 win over Cavantili. We know that a 1-0 win over Shelburne. So from the point of view that they're not lashing in maybe three or four goals at the moment would certainly give Treaty a chance um, and the other thing is, you know, the longer a team goes on and beat, well, then, you know, the more likely is that they are going to come on stuff. It is, it is hard enough to keep on winning and winning and winning and winning, you know, and at times. So from that point of view, um, I think there's a chance for Treaty. Um, I would agree with Jason. I thought that they were very open and he's right about the midfield. Um, they were so dominant Cork. You know, you wouldn't like to do the same thing against Shelburne because, you know, you feel that if Shelburne get in around the treaty penalty box, they're not going to be knocking the ball over the bar or or kicking the ball into the keeper's hands. You know, they're going to be a lot more clinical than that. So there's going to be a little, uh, a little bit of thought um, about how they are going to set up. And with all these extra midfielders coming, I would expect them to go back to a kind of a, you know, a 4-3-3, which would be a 4-5-1 out of, out of possession. I did think in the second half that they did tweak it a little bit and went for more of a 4-4, 1-1, because I felt that um, Reds, uh, he positioned himself centrally and, you know, when they were clearing the ball, they were actually looking for him as, uh, you know, to kind of flick it on. And you did see a bit more work from McKevitt in trying to pick up the, the second ball off him. So there was a small bit more structure about it in the second half. But I think, you know, there's going to be have to be a lot more uh, next Friday night but look it's a game to really look forward to you know on paper you you couldn't see anything else only a Shelburne win but this is Treaty and you know they've they've confounded in a lot of matches um, they'll be buoyed up with last week and uh, 
you'd have to give him a bit of a shake in it. Uh, you'd certainly hope so. Anyway, and Jason, Noel mentioned it there about possible changes uh, to the approach, and that was something I was going to pick up on, on with you as well. Uh, do you expect you know changes in, in personnel and formation uh, from Tommy in a bid to, to prevent Shelburne on, on Friday night? Well, I don't think they'll be as open as they were last week. I agree with Noel. I think that would be, you know, very, very dangerous. Noel mentioned it there, and I know Equus, you you give up them chances to the likes of Maddie and Brennan and and these people, and they're going to punish you, Michael O'Connor as well. There's no doubt they'll take them chances, you know. But you said it there, Adrian. You looked at the game last week, and both of us were watching it, and we couldn't see Treaty getting anything out of it. So you'd be slow to to kind of bet against them in the sense, but. I think you'll have to have a little rethink about it, definitely. You know, I say it week in, week out, the back four. Obviously, Shane Cusick will probably be in goal if Tiger still is injured, but the back four picks itself at this stage. Callum McNamara is picking himself at this stage. You know, Red is going to play, there's no doubt about that. You know, so that leaves then a couple of spots up for grabs. Will Mark Walsh come back in? Is he ready for a start? Probably not. So you'd, you'd probably expect to see Clyde in there. You know, and, and you look at the two wingers, we'll call them wingers, but they're not wingers. They don't really offer you a whole pile going forward as in relation to crosses and, and chance creation. So possibly you could bring them in a little bit narrower. You know, if you did want to persist with, with McKevitt up there with Reds, you could ask the two wingers out of possession to be narrow and stop an overload in midfield and, and give you an extra man in there forced to play wide and then and then be shuffling out, I suppose, to try overturn it. So you could go that way with the 4-4-2, Adrian. Do you know, we talk about tweaking it and when you're dealing with players at this level, you don't have to spend hours and hours on the training pitch. If you give them slight direct instructions in and out of possession of the ball, things can be tweaked easily, you know, and, and work off last week and just give a little couple of corrections. So, no, I wouldn't see too many changes this week. I wouldn't really, and, and I suppose, look, Tommy doesn't have too many options when you looked at the bench last week. Nice to see Ronan Geary on the bench, an under-19s player and who I'd be familiar with from the Emerging Talent Programme. He can play wide right or he can play right back. Definitely has potential. He's not ready for a start. There's no doubt about that. You know, So I suppose, will Jack Lynch be back? If Jack is back, he'll definitely go into the team, probably next to Callum. And then the decision is, do you leave out Clyde and you persist with Red and McKevitt as a two? So they're the kind of questions Tommy has to look at, but it's a free shot. You know, no one has beaten Shelburne and, and you look at the other fixtures at Lone and Cabin Teeley, it's great that they're playing each other this week as well. So there's no major pressure at all when you look at the gap, you know, seven points between Treaty and six positions. So... There's room there to, to have a little go, Adrian, so why not? Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, those words anyway. Um, Noel, obviously, you've got the further easing of, of restrictions will now allow 200 uh, people attend the markets field uh, this Friday night. I have to say, I noticed with the 200 in Cork, there was a very vocal Cork crowd. Now, Tommy did mention the fact that there was a few jars and some of them uh, in the corner of the, of the ground at, at Turner's Cross, which would have helped them uh, uh, be more vocal in, in some cases. But obviously, you know, that, that will also that help. happen in the Marcus Field. Sorry? That would never happen in Marcus Field. You wouldn't have anyone with a few bars up there. like. Yeah, yeah, I know. I heard Jerry O'Deese will be uh, pr- promoting themselves uh, before the game because they are sponsoring the match. But um, 
yeah, I know it's uh, it's obviously means that you know they we're hoping for obviously a bit better atmosphere as well that we then we've been used to, which you you hope that the 3D players will cling on to and push forward with. Yeah, look, it's it's all good. Look, we're all mad to go up there. As I said, I saw the second half. It was great to be up there in you know for the Galway match. Uh, I'm hoping to be there on on Friday night. And look, you know, 200 is great, and we're looking forward to the days when there might be 2,000 and uh, one of those playoff games. You know, but uh, I'm sure the atmosphere will help. It certainly won't hinder Shelburne. They won't worry about playing against you know 200 or 2,000 or wherever. I'm sure they like going to places where there's, where there's a bit of atmosphere as well. But look, it augurs well for the future, and we're up. You know, we're all mad to see live games now. So. Um, We'll be looking forward to that. I think myself, in terms of the team selection, I think on balance, Jason is right. I think Red is going to start, and I would expect if Jack Lynch is fit to play, you know, you will have that three in the middle, I think, of Jack and Clyde and Colin McNamara with, with Red up front and, and the same white players. I think that's how they'll start. They'll be nice and solid, and they'll want to be nice and solid from the start and not to concede anything early and kind of build them, build the way into the game. That definitely will be interesting to see. And on a really positive note, Jason, like we were on about, you know, the league taking shape uh, towards the end of the second round of fixtures, maybe. When, again, another positive for that victory was when you look at standings now, Treaty are seven points clear of sixth position in the table, which is Athlone and, and Cavantili together, uh, I believe. As you also mentioned, then you have Athlone playing Cavantili this week. Uh, so even allowing for worst case scenario when you're playing Shelburne and UCD, obviously UCD beaten Treaty earlier in the year and, and Shelburne being as strong as they are, even allowing for the fact that if Treaty were to lose both of those games, chances are they're going to be going at least a point a point ahead of Athlone or Cavantili into games against those teams. So it's it's a hugely important period, but very exciting to, to be in this position at all. Well, it is, Adrian, and you asked me a couple of weeks ago, when would the players kind of start thinking about being in the playoffs and stuff like that? And because of the gap that's there now, now is the time that they will start thinking about it and discussing it between themselves. The players, certainly, whatever, both Tommy and, and Mike Shield and, and Mike McCarthy, they'll probably stick to the, the mantra that served them well so far. But the players now, after being in that position myself, you'd be looking at the table and you'd be kind of echoing what you just said there, that the gap is seven points. That will totally take away the pressure, uh, if there was any, for the Shelburne game, which will be should probably give an even better performance out of three that you'd expect. You know, So they are probably looking at the playoffs now, the players, certainly. And like you said, if, if the worst-case scenario happens and they lose on Friday and they lose to UCD, they can still get back on the horse by beating Kevin Teeley and Athlone in them next series of games as well. So, look, it's fantastic looking out, you know, looking at us and, and no one wants them to do as well as Noel, yourself and I, that's a certainty, you know. And just back to the point that you made about the supporters and, you know, if it was me, I'd be targeting the Blue Army lads to be in, in the ground on Friday night, you know, for the choice to, to put 200 fans in there. I'd be leaning towards Kevin Coyley and, and Darnoon and getting there army together I suppose to fill that that stand and be vocal and, and that will give the, the atmosphere that's required because that's probably all that's missing Adrian really at the moment isn't it you know is is that buzz that they bring to the games you know so be a little selective I suppose on, on who you leave in and, and things like that and, and get the proper supporters into the ground to be vocal and, and behind the team 
Uh, well, I, I know that it's all members as we speak, because uh, we, we'll, we'll know more by Friday, I suppose. Um, you know, the, the club have well over 300, if not 400 members, so we'll see how it goes. But as, as we're speaking about there, no, it is something you twigged, and people will think we're mad uh, in saying, saying this, really, because 3D are third right now. But obviously, Galway now have, have come up into the four, the four wins in a row. Looks like they're going to get into a playoff position. We also have Bray and UCD, who we just seem, we've all let go that we seem, we expect those teams probably to get into the top five, which means that we're kind of saying that it's effectively between Treaty, Athlone and Kevin Teeley. I know kind of your views on Athlone, but going on points, could you, you couldn't really look outside of, of those three anyway for that last uh, playoff place? Yeah, well, certainly for one of them, yeah. I mean, Kevin Teeley have, have wobbled a bit now the last few weeks as well. You know, that's obviously a very big game for. Uh, for those teams, you know, we actually got to see the last 10 minutes of the uh, the Wexford um, at Lone game on Friday night. It was still 10 minutes to go when, you know, when the game in Turnerstrass finished up and it was 4-2 to Wexford at the time and at Lone came back in and got two goals to make it 4 all. But then, you know, they must be desperately disappointed. Knowing you're 4-2 down and you come back and get a point, you'd feel good. But they've conceded four goals to Wexford. It's kind of doubled Wexford's season tally in terms of, of goals scored and uh, I'm sure they went down there more than expecting to get a win even though they weren't in great form themselves so um, a tricky couple of weeks you know for them there's no doubt the treaty are in pole position for one of those um, playoff places and I doubt they're thinking in in, in lines of, of that in terms of saying well you know UCD and Bray are definitely in it and we're going to be scrapping for the last one with Kevin Teeley and Athlone because I I don't think it'll be treaty who'll be scrapping for that last um, place the way they're going. I mean they got over they got over next weekend now and they've uh, another run of games where you know where they'll be looking to win and and cement that place and not kind of be hanging on for that fifth um, playoff place. That's certainly the way it's looking now anyway. Yeah, we'll be excited to see how that goes and and we'll go on to our usual kind of uh, predictions, Jason. Now for for the games we spoke about Kevin Teeley and Athlone. That's a game which impacts treaty. Uh, but not just treaty, but both of those clubs more so than anything an awful lot because that loan have been in really poor form as we keep mentioning now for the last few weeks. Uh, this game uh, particularly uh, for both sides because both of them are in, in poor form. So how do you see this one going? Obviously very difficult to call. Yeah, very difficult to call. And we, we see announced today that Brian O'Sullivan has gone in as First team coach slash assistant manager with that loan, Adrian. So maybe that will give him a little bit of change of focus. Graham Kane has stepped away from that position, so there was a void there to be filled. Um, but Kevin Teeley, okay, they're having a wobble, but they're still very, very competitive, as we saw against Shelburne last week. And it was only in the, the dying minutes, I suppose, that, that Shelburne got the winner in OG. I did say last week that I thought Wexford could turn that loan over. They came very, very close to it. So, look, I would be leaning towards Kevin Teeley. I'll be honest in that one. And ideally, you want to draw from a treaty point of view. But Kevin Teeley are known for draws, as I say, every week. So, if I'm going to put my head on the block, I'll go for Kevin Teeley, Adrian. And all with Park City have a second consecutive home game uh, against Bray Wanderers. Uh, what's your prediction for this one? Yeah, another difficult game for them. Um It'll be, it'll be. Te- I think it'll be tend how how they reacted to um, to Friday night. I hope they haven't thrown in the towel as such. Um, they certainly played well enough to you know to trouble a lot of teams in the league. 
and Bray are one of those teams as well, like bar one or two matches, they haven't scored too many goals in games. So I'll I'll put my as Jason has put his head in the chop, uh, chopping block, I will as well, and I'll predict the Cork City win. I think they're you know they're probably due a win, and maybe with a small change of fortune, or if they have the right attitude and the right learnings, if you like, from last Friday, um, and they play as well as they did last Friday, I think that they have a decent chance of getting um, a home victory. And two two home victories so far. I don't know if that's going to change too much, Jason, considering the. Galway form heading into Galway versus Cove. So how do you think that one, how do you think Cove will fare out in Galway? Yeah, Galway are on the crest of a wave. You know, they've they've turned that corner that we all knew they would. You know, the John Caulfield way is to, is to win games and he's certainly doing that now, adding clean sheets. And, and it's interesting, I suppose, listening to John saying that over the last number of weeks, there's a real togetherness in the team and and maybe that's giving a message to Shane Duggan, I suppose, that he's out of the team and, and they're doing so well. You know, it's it's interesting sometimes what what we can take from, from people's comments, but you couldn't be betting against Galway, Adrian. They're going to be good value for a win there. Yeah, and finally, in, in the league, you've got UCD facing Wexford Noel. Uh, how do you think that one will fare? Again, I think um, Wexford haven't re- or UCD haven't really been great since the break, but... Um, They'll probably overdue a win. Um, I think that, that they'll be good enough to beat Wexford on, on Friday night and get the, the wagon moving on again. Yeah, I promise it's to be another exciting and unpredictable uh, weekend in the First Division. Uh, just to go off the, the Airtricity League for a moment, uh, there was big news, Jason, in, in junior circles uh, just about two hours ago now uh, with the news that you know, uh, for, former Limerick FC manager at Lone Town manager Mike Curley is going in as director of coaching with Ashley Anacotti, which is a role almost unheard of, I suppose, for, for junior football. Uh, Anacotti announced it a while ago. What do you make of, of the move and, and Curley's appointment in, in Anacotti? Well, I'd like to know, I suppose, the, the parameters of the role, Adrian, before I comment too much. But mm. look, looking at Mike's CV and knowing him and knowing his coaching qualifications and capabilities, I think it's a great appointment. You know, you'd wonder, I suppose, at times what model Ashling and Akati are moving forward with these days. It was obvious in the past that they wanted to bring through their own young players, I suppose. But when you look at some notable young players transferring out of the club, to, to Fairview Rangers, namely Kennedy Dip and, and Conor Coughlin, both very young players who came through the, the youth system at Ashling. When you see them departing, you kind of wonder why they're bringing in a director of coaching. And, you know, there's no doubt, as I said, Mike's ability, he was someone who would have loved to see involve a Treaty United because I think that's his level, you know. And you look at grassroots clubs at the moment, if you're bringing in a director of coaching, where are you producing players for? Is it League of Ireland? And without that club link, I suppose, between Treaty and Ashling and Akati, the goals are going to be too beneficial for, for Ashling. Do you know? But mm-hmm. again, look, fantastic to, fantastic to see Mike back in the game. The game will certainly be better for, for him being involved and I wish him well. And all people have said in the past... Uh, for both yourself and Mike Curley, actually, that they were probably disappointed not to see you still involved in the Electricity League football and flying the, the Limerick flag as such as well. Uh, were you also of, of the same opinion? And I suppose, are you happy to see uh, Mike Curley back involved in, in coaching at some level? Yeah, it's great to see Mike back. Um, I signed him back, actually, um, for Limerick. Mm. And um, just to bring a bit of experience, I remember him playing as a, you know, what a player he was. 
Um, he was very interested in the in the coaching side as well. And uh, when I went to Cork, I recommended him for for you know for the job in Limerick and and a fine job he did, bringing Limerick into the playoffs the following season. Um, and again, look, there's been so much good things that I can say about action in terms of the underage and and a lot of really good players. Um, it's good that Mike is involved. I think you know they have be kind of come his home club anyway. I think you know he lives in the area. Um, and uh, I'm sure what they're looking to do now, because they've obviously la- have, have lost a few coaches, if you like, um, they're probably looking to develop coaches, you know, within the club, because obviously some guys came in and, you know, I, I know they had a, a kind of an academy going as well, an independent academy, and maybe they're looking to ring fence that, you know, w- within their club and for Mike to organise that and maybe to get more coaches in on the coaching ladder which would be great for, you know, for Limerick and underage soccer, obviously, for me as well as the academy director of the Schoolboy League. Um, you look around and you're looking for guys to get involved with academy teams. And if, if a club like Ashley are going to encourage guys to do their licenses and become more and become more qualified, well, then it can only be good for Limerick soccer um, as a whole. Yeah, certainly. And we will be speaking more about, obviously, your own role, Noel, as well with the... the District or the sorry, the schoolboy league and the academy in, in the coming weeks. Jason, on a final note for us this evening, can't skip over the fact that Fairview Rangers have a big game on Saturday evening. They play Acton Roy in the FAI Senior Cup uh, first round. It's, it's funny, I do remember when Durham Finnan was in charge of Fairview, they had some those shades against those teams. They actually beat Dublin City one year 4 1 uh, in an FAI. It could have been a second or third round game. It was a quite an important uh, game. It's, it's a big one for Fairview, obviously, as a club. It's going to be difficult considering the, the lack of preparation they probably uh, feel they will have, despite playing a couple of friendlies, I believe. And it, it's it's a step up then, I suppose, but it'll be a step up they'll want to, to have to try and get a, and play in our Trissy League side and further on the competition. Oh, definitely, Adrian. They've earned the rights, obviously, to be there. You know, FEI Junior Cup champions and and the work the club has done off the pitch, you know, the, the fair green looks fantastic these days. You know, there's a stand, there's dugouts and the floodlights and, and it's a testament to Derek Weiss and, and Huey Brogan and, and the committee up there. They're doing fantastic work and look, no better man to lead them on the pitch than Jason Purcell. Again, someone of great time for and great respect for and his achievements in the game speak for themselves. And I mentioned kind of Coughlin and Kennedy and Dip, two very, very good acquisitions for them. They still obviously have AJ O'Connor and, and Ross Mann and Jamesy Fitz. And even Jamesy Fitz's younger brother, Keane, is, is definitely worth a mention. And Connor Keane, they're two young players that have been at Fairview for a while. And, and they'll come to the fore over this season and, and next season, hopefully. You know, occasions like these are, are to be enjoyed, but they'll want to get over it, Adrian. And, and they'd, nothing, they'd love nothing more, I suppose, than then get one of the big names, you know, at home in, in a round or two's time. But, yeah, fantastic work been up there. I think they're short to centre forward myself, but they're difficult to find at the moment. But be a fantastic occasion for the club, and I hope they do it.